0: I'd invite you to, to do so, to begin by turning again in that blue psalter to um, it's page 57 in the back. Page 57. It's under the Heidelberg Catechism section. We'll come back to that in, in just a moment. A couple of weeks ago on Sunday evening when Ella made Profession of Faith, We talked about the fact that that one of the things that we're doing when we make our profession of faith is we're saying to the Lord, I desire to live a life of thanksgiving. I desire to give my life as an offering of thanks to You. For that which You have done, for Your redeeming love and mercy and grace, that has reached down into my heart and into my life. I now stand before a people of God and say, I want to live for Christ. I want to live for the one who died for me. And so we live that life of thanksgiving. That life of thanks living to the Lord, filled with holiness, filled with praise to the Lord, filled with our obedience to that which the Lord commands us in His Word. Last Sunday evening, we talked about, from God's Word, the idea of thanksgiving. What is it? And uh, it comes down again to that basic idea that it is acknowledging God's grace in our lives. God's grace not only in terms of the spiritual aspect of which we understand grace his undeserved love for us that cleanses us and washes us through the blood of Jesus Christ from all of our sin but also a thanksgiving for the grace undeserved that God gives us in terms of the material blessings the family blessings the economic blessings that we receive and so it's returning to God It's saying, God, we acknowledge, we don't deserve any of this, we didn't earn any of this, this is all from you, it is all a gift that comes from you. Tonight, we want to look at another aspect of this idea of thanks, and it's the idea of thanks praying, thanks praying. And I first of all just want to stress the importance of it. And to do that, if you look on page 57, the Catechism in Lord's Day 45, we have the question, why do Christians need to pray? And just ask yourself, without looking at the answer, just think for a minute. Why do Christians need to pray? And we might come up with many reasons. We might come up with lots of ideas, probably all of which are good and valid. But listen to how the authors of the catechism answered that question. Why do Christians need to pray? Because prayer is the most important Part of the thankfulness that God requires of us. Why do we pray? This is the most important part of giving God thanks. Wasn't the money you put in the offering plate It isn't the meal we serve tomorrow. Most important part is prayer. Most important part of our thankfulness to the Lord is prayer. And I don't know what the tradition is in your particular family for Thanksgiving. Maybe you're going to be in a circumstance for some of you in which eh, not everybody is even a Christian. And so to keep the awkwardness away from it, we don't even pray anymore at the meal. We just come to the table and start digging in. I would hope that perhaps you could start a new tradition in that family then and say, no, I think we need to pray. To pray thankfully to the Lord. Now I know for most of you, though, that probably has been a part of it. I know and I know others of you probably experienced this as well. It was so much a part of of your Thanksgiving, you were actually a little afraid the potatoes were going to get cold and the gravy might a little bit congeal just a little bit because grandpa or dad or whatever uncle it was that was assigned the prayer went on so long that you thought the whole meal was going to be cold. You know, there's a certain sense in which uh, if we understand what the catechism is saying, we should perhaps delight if the meal were to go cold. That would be an okay thing. If in that we were thanking the Lord, because it is the most important part of the thankfulness. But that's sort of the the formal thing. Let me urge you. As well, just as a point of application for something for you to do, we always do the Wednesday night Thanksgiving service, and come to enjoy that. I like that. But let me offer to you that tomorrow morning, in the midst of all the busyness and everything else, find five minutes or ten minutes where you can just pray. Pray thankfully to the Lord. Your personal prayer of thanksgiving It's the most important part of the thankfulness that God requires of us. Secondly, not only do I want to deal with the importance, but there's a history of praying thankfully around this particular holiday that is set aside that we call thanksgiving. The first proclamation for thanksgiving, which actually occurred three years after the pilgrims arrived at Plymouth. It's not the the event of thanksgiving. It's not the first event that we all know took place as well. But this is the first time that Governor Bradford said I am going to proclaim. The other just seemed to happen. It just took place. But in this third year, Governor Bradford proclaimed that there should be a day of thanksgiving. Listen to what he wrote. Inasmuch as the Great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, peas... Beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game, and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as he has protected us from the ravages of the savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience, Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims with your wives and ye little ones do gather at the meeting house on the hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on Thursday, November 29th, in the year of our Lord, 1,623. And the third year since you pilgrims landed at Pilgrim, from rock, there to listen to your pastor and to render thanksgiving to your Almighty God for all his blessings. The Thanksgiving Proclamation by the First Continental Congress in 1777 is, once again, one of those documents that is rarely read, but often should be. It's a document in which the Congress, on November 1st of that year, said that we need to do this. We've experienced these blessings. and they reiterate much of what is often heard in regards to these. But in the second paragraph, Congress wrote these words. It is therefore recommended to the legislative or executive powers of these United States to set aside Thursday, the 18th day of December, for solemn thanksgiving and praise, that at one time and with one voice, the good people may express the grateful feelings of their hearts and consecrate themselves to the service of their divine benefactor, and that together with their sincere acknowledgments and offerings, they may join the penitent confession of their manifold sins, whereby they had forfeited every favor, and their humble and earnest supplication, that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ, mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance, that it may please him graciously to afford his blessing on the governments of these states respectively, and prosper the public council of the whole, to inspire what may render them unfit instruments under the providence of Almighty God, to secure for these United States the greatest of all human blessings, independence and peace, that it may please him to prosper the trade and manufacturers of the people and the labor of the husbandmen, that our land may yield its increase, to take schools and seminaries of education so necessary for cultivating the principles of true liberty, virtue and piety under his nurturing hand and to prosper the means of religion for the promotion and enlargement of that kingdom which consists in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What an amazing statement to be made by the Congress of the United States. We have a history as a people. We have a history as a nation of coming together to give God thanks and to do so by means of prayer. We've been called by our nation's leaders over the years to give God, to acknowledge to God, to do that which true thanksgiving is, to acknowledge that it is by grace and by grace alone that we have been so blessed. We look forward, do we not, as a people, to hearing those kind of proclamations coming from our nation's leaders once again. But it is also a very biblical thing to pray, thankfully. Not only do do our doctrines state it, not only does our history exemplify it, God's Word encourages it. Turn in your scriptures, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. And I'm only going to read verses 4, 5, and 6 this evening, obviously for obvious reasons. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. And Then to make several comments on that passage. Paul writes to the church of Philippi, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be. Be made known to God. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Three things to note. Worry is a lack of trust in God. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Why? Because the Lord is there. If one becomes anxious, if one begins to worry, one is doubting the presence of God. One is doubting not only the presence of God, but one is doubting the working of God. Now I know it's very human of us to worry. That's why Paul wrote it. Paul wrote it because he knows it, he understands that unless we know that the unless we think that that this is wrong, we're just going to continue to dwell in it. We're just going to continue to let our worries and our fears and our anxiousness overwhelm us. Paul says we need to realize that as believers, worrying isn't acceptable. For we as believers believe in the presence and the providence of God. Think of Jesus as he spoke about the lilies of the field. Think about Jesus as he spoke about God's care of the sparrow. And that he knows us so well, even the very hairs in our head are numbered. But that doesn't mean that Paul doesn't recognize that we have needs. Listen to the word. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. We are told to pray for every need we have looking in confidence to the Lord for his will to be done in every and all circumstances. See, Paul isn't saying, hey, you don't need to worry because everything's all right. Paul says you don't need to worry because in your time of need, you know what to do. You know what to do when you become anxious. You know what to do when you begin to worry you know what to do when fears begin to arise. What do you do? You pray. You make the, your request known to the Lord who is always at hand, who is always present. But when you make those requests known, when you make those needs known, do so with thanksgiving. Now, One of the principles we learn about prayer from this particular passage is this, we never pray without giving thanks. That's what Paul is saying. In fact, when you you put it together and when you find the emphasis that is there in the Greek, it's almost as if Paul is saying, Begin with your thanks. Begin by giving God thanks. Now why would Paul say that? Wouldn't it be more important that we put our pressing need before the Lord? To put our pressing fear before the Lord? To put our pressing worry before the Lord? Shouldn't that come first? First. Isn't that what's driving us to our knees? And perhaps it is what's driving us there. But once there, once on our knees, Paul is saying, begin with thanks. Do you know why? Because by the time we're done thanking God for all the blessings that we experience in our life, what do you suppose happens to the worry and anxiousness and fear? My guess is if we were truly sincere about giving God thanks, we probably will have forgotten why we're there in the first place. or whatever it is that drove us there is suddenly going to seem rather small and insignificant compared to the vastness of the blessings that we experience. Either that or we're going to come to an awareness man, the Lord is blessing me in so many ways. I see his hand just blessing me and I have so many reasons to give thanks. Certainly God is going to use whatever I'm worried and concerned and fearful about for my good as well. You know, there's the old adage, prayer changes things. I'm not sure how theologically correct that is in terms of thinking about prayer changes the course of history. But I do know this, prayer changes me. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes the way I look at circumstances. Prayer changes the way that I view life. That's why we begin, Paul says, with praying with thanksgiving. Now, as a believer, there are probably times in, in every believer's life where we too come down to it and we, we're on our knees and we're going, we're so overwhelmed by whatever it is that's going on. We're down there on our knees before the Lord and we're going, okay, I got I to gotta start with thanks, but I can't think of anything to thank him for. There is always one for his undeserved, redeeming love to me through Jesus Christ. As a believer, the world may be falling apart. Family may be falling apart. Your body may be falling apart. But there is one thing always, always, that as a believer you and I can be grateful for the undeserved redeeming love of God through Jesus Christ. Where else do we need to add? If that were all I had, if that were all I could give God thanks for, is that not in itself an overwhelming thought? His undeserved redeeming love for me in Christ. And certainly, there are many other blessings to add to it. So, Paul says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Start there. Start with thanks, praying thankfully. But you know, Paul not only said this, Paul did this. And it's interesting where it occurs. If you go back in your scriptures to the book of Acts, chapter 16, Paul has been arrested, falsely charged, falsely accused. He's brought before The rulers of the city charged, verse 22, Acts 16, verse 22. The crowd joined in attacking them, them as Paul and Silas. And the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Boy, what does Paul have to give thanks for? It had been one rotten day. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And you know the rest of the story, don't you? Great earthquake. Jailer is in fear that everybody has escaped. Paul says, No, we didn't, we didn't escape from our problem. Wonder if the singing and praying changed Paul that night. We didn't escape. We're all right here. None of us has left. Brothers, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You know the city that was in? Of course you do. The city of Philippi. So when Paul says to these people, The Lord is always present, don't be anxious about anything. And when you make your prayers and supplications known to the Lord, do it with thanksgiving. And they could go, (laughs) now Paul, you lived what you said. And we have a convert and another convert and another convert and another convert to demonstrate it. Thanksgiving. Is a day for prayer. As various men come forward to, to pray this evening, don't look at this as being, oh man, I thought we were going to get out in 45 minutes. No, look at this as being as the most important part of our thanksgiving that we can bring to the Lord. Let's bow, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the voice holding as long as it did tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of your word. Thank you for the example that you gave us in your word of the Apostle Paul, of the teaching that Paul has given to us. Lord, how often it is that we begin our prayers with our needs and our laundry list instead of coming with gratitude and thanksgiving. Lord, help us to look to you, to give you thanks, to give you praise, so that we might see life in the perspective of grace. That we might see our problems and our difficulties in the perspective of your redeeming, undeserved love for us through Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for faithful church doctrine that holds our feet to the truth of your word of praying with thanksgiving we thank you father for the history of our nation that we see in these documents of old where you are acknowledged where You, where people were called together to offer you prayers of thanksgiving and lord not only in that tradition But out of the gratitude of our own hearts, we lift prayers of thanks to you. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.